we just baptized uh, Sister Juliana, Sister Juliana now, and uh, she can, and I think it was 30 people were saved at camp this week, did you say? Yeah, and then there was a bunch saved in Bible school, two of my grandsons as well, and you know, they can all make this statement, we hope and pray that each one of you can make this day. If you can't, we hope that you will find Christ as your personal Savior, uh, even during our services this day. Amen. They did a great job as usual. And uh, just please, uh, I know Brother Trey mentioned uh, Brother Joel Dillahunty. And you remember him in prayers, and your prayers are missionary. And of course, it's great to see B Buddy, and, and uh, he's normally 
here lately been working a lot on the pipeline and he's been able to be in to help uh, with his mom and of course we're all praying for sister Frances and there's just a lot of a lot of people need to pray for him and lift them up a lot of a lot of good things happening a lot of praise reports you know a lot of times we only mention uh, in prayer uh, those that uh, you know they're sick but would always try to remember the the good things that God is doing that He's blessing us with, God does want to hear about, you know, our, our sicknesses, our illnesses, and different things uh, that are happening in our lives. He, he wants to also hear from you if you're just facing a decision about, uh, is there something, what does God want you to do next in your life? Uh, how does He want you to live and that's what we've been studying and looking at on, on Sunday morning, been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. One of the uh, sermons in the Bible that, of course, is the most famous passage. And if you have a red-letter edition Bible, uh, my Bible's laying here and it's all red because this is a long sermon that Jesus uh, preached. And this is a lot of instructions. Basically this, thinking about... And I entitled this, Pursuing a Life of Excellence, as we do this study together. Uh, how does Jesus, what does Jesus want you to do now? Now that Juliana is saved and knows Jesus as her Savior, and she's contemplating, okay, well, it doesn't matter your age, whether you're 8 or 80, whether you're 18 or 28, 38, whatever your age is this morning, God has something for you to do next. How does he want you to live? How does he want you to behave? Uh, a lot of times, uh, how does a Christian supposed to act? Sometimes it's pretty plain, and sometimes it's, uh, it's a little misinformed. And in this uh, message this morning, I simply titled it, if you have a bulletin or follow along on the screen, it's Don't Swear and Don't Hit Back. <laughs> you would think... Uh, you know, I've had my parents tell me that before. Don't hit your sister. Well, I was the oldest, and so that happened more times than once. Don't hit my sister. I've had, I was not very kind to my sister as we were growing up. Uh, but then even after I got saved, I was, it, that, that helped. <laughs> and, but it still, it doesn't mean somebody said, well, my child is, Ten years old and he got saved, but he still acts like a boy. That's because he's still a boy. <laughs> he's still in the flesh. He, and even as us as adults, you can be uh, saved and an adult and still be immature in the Lord, not in not growing, and so on and so forth. And so let's take a look at this. We're going to begin reading. In verse 33, would you mind standing for the reading of God's holy word, Matthew 5? And what we're going to do is just read just a couple of verses, not the whole text. But it says, again, you've heard that it hath been said of them of old time, <clears throat> thou shalt not forswear. And that means perjure yourself. But thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you... Swear not at all, by, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is His footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Neither shalt thou swear by thine head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Let's pray. Father, 
Thank you for your words of instruction so that we may know how to live a life of excellence. Not a life according to uh, somebody here on earth, but a life according to your holy word. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring God's holy word and just looking at this this morning. And basically in swearing and, and looking at uh, the text here, God takes vowing or swearing very seriously. Uh, the practice of the Pharisees was to swear by heaven, the throne of God, Jerusalem, or even by your own head. And uh, basically, let's talk about what they did for just a second. Now, now we will get into, in just a second, the idea of, of, of cussing. Now, let's that's that's talk the way we live in Ashley County. You know, let's talk about cussing. Now, it's a little bit two different things here, but it kind of, they're kin to each other. Swearing is just saying that uh, it's, are you a person of your word? Now, here's what the Pharisees would do. During, people during Jesus' day, they would say, well, I'm going to pay back this loan as sure as Jerusalem is our capital. They would swear by Jerusalem. Or they would swear by the earth. They would, but, and so Jesus is saying, they would say, as sure as this planet is here and I'm standing on this planet, I'll be at the appointed time. I'll be at the meeting. You know, whatever the occasion was, whether it was uh, paying back something, whether it was performing a task, they would swear by saying some sort of catchphrase by heaven. As, as sure as my head is as uh, brown, gray, black, or bald, as sure as I have hair on my head, I, and he's saying, Jesus is saying, why can't you let your yay be yay, your yes be yes, and your no be no? In other words, do you live in such a way that when you say something, it holds no value unless you have to put a, a, a code on it, a swear term? Like, if I don't say as the earth is here, or by heaven, the Jerusalem, by some other catchphrase, some people say... As uh, and I've, I've used it later on in, in the I think the outline or the slide, you know, as 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 uh, sure as the gospel sake, or as the, and that's the gospel truth, brother. That's the gospel truth. That's really a swear uh, term. You're saying that that you're having to attach a phrase to say what you're saying is really true, and so the Pharisees were misusing this, and Jesus is saying, can't we as Christians? Can't we live in such a way that people believe you every time you open your mouth? In other words, can you live in such a way that people believe what you say? They, they know because you, you know, even if we, that doesn't mean that we don't make a mistake. It doesn't mean that we aren't ever late. What it means is, is they're, they're a person of their word. And so, looking at some texts, even the Old Testament, in Leviticus 19.12, notice what God says. And these are some of the things that Jesus knew they knew. Leviticus 19.12 says, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane. Now, folks, right here in this one verse, you have two faults. The very first thing separated by a comma in God's holy word is this. You shouldn't swear by my name. In other words, 
don't tell a lie. Don't say, as God is my witness, as even as this, as Jesus as my Savior. You know, we could say that, but we shouldn't have to say that. Because our yes is yes and our no is no. But there's a comma in another part to this verse, isn't there? What does it say? Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Well, most everybody in this room knows what I mean whenever I say taking God's name in vain. Of course, there's the most famous way to do that that most people in here of any age or consequence know of, but there's also other commonly accepted ways you can profane, even Christians profane God's name by using the word, uh, the word God and the word Jesus as a slang phrase. Now, some of you say, oh my... You may say, oh my gosh... But a lot of times people say, oh, my God, that's really say, oh, my, I, I do that. That's a and a lot of these phrases can be habits. And you say and a lot of times people do it without even thinking. Now, I don't want you to say, well, I'm just trying to trash you or run you down if you have that habit. But what I'm trying to say is, is will you think about what you're doing? Just because really, if God is really important to you. If you really love Jesus, you know, I've heard people say, well, Jesus. Or they'll even say the word Christ. And they'll use it as a slang word. Is my Savior not much better than that? Is your Savior not much better than that? To use His name as a really, truly, it's a form of blasphemy. It's it's just taking His name and making a slang word, even... The way we use it, it could be a cuss word out of that. Now, what you're trying to say, not worshiping His name, but it's something that you love His name so much that you say, I, I, I really need to try to break that habit. I really try to, I need to work on that. And uh, I remember my catchphrase, and it has been for years, and, uh, you know, whether it be hitting your thumb or shutting, uh, stubbing your toe on a piece of furniture, which in the black of the night and you stub your toe on a piece of furniture, there's all sorts of thoughts and words that cross your brain. Boom! Ah! ah oh! And uh, mine was, uh, Brother Shook heard me use it one time in Greek class in seminary. And, I, and this is mine. I, Dead gummit! And Brother Shook, without even missing a beat when I said that, he said, what happened? Your dad loses dentures? I said, Dad Gummit? Well, it took me a second to get it. <laughs> what Brother Shook meant by that. But, you know, and we'll have all sorts of catchphrases that there's, there's some that, you know, you can, you can make. There are Christian uh, slang words, and whether it be, and you understand what I'm saying, uh, change, don't, don't profane God's name. That, that, that's just an easy way to get past it. Don't profane God's name. And obviously, and I've heard Christians use all sorts of other words, even posting these words on Facebook and uh, members of our church. And I'm like, that's really helping Jesus look better. 
and our church look good by using cuss words in a public sense, in a public form around others. How we talk reflects on our heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says out of our heart proceeds what's most valuable to us. Numbers uh, chapter 30, verse 2, If a man vows a vow unto the Lord, or swears an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, and he shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. In Deuteronomy 23:21, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. Now, it's not in your uh, outline, but... Uh, you can look it up in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 and 5. It says it's serious when you vow a vow unto the Lord. I've got it up on the screen for you. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 says this. Better it is, is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. So basically, why, why even look up these verses? Why read them? Why, why are they there in God's holy word? Because it's serious. God takes our word serious. Let me ask you this. The perfect pattern is Jesus Christ. Did Jesus ever do anything, say that I'm going to do something and not do it? You see, He was the perfect example. He always kept His Word. And guess what? God's Word is serious too. It's all going to come to pass. There's been just hundreds of Scriptures that have come to pass. God says, my son's going to be born in Bethlehem. Did it happen? Yeah. My son's going to be born of a virgin. Did it happen? And then he said, and talking, you know, you can think about that prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm going to stomp out my own country. But then I'm bringing them back. And it was almost 2,000 years that Israel went out of existence. But in May of 1948, guess what happened? God brought Israel back. See, God keeps His Word. And that's why He says we as children of God, His children, should we not be people of our Word? And so that, Jesus took that very, very serious. And we should live in a way that uh, we keep our word. Well, moving quickly to the next part. <clears throat> to not hit back. Don't hit back. Let's look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. It says this, You have heard that hath been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Basically, if he takes this, go ahead and give him this. That's real easy for us to see. So, basically, you're standing there in your underwear, if you will, t-shirt. And whosoever, verse 41, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him. And if you have a King James Bible, it says twain. That means go with him another mile. Two. Verse 42, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. You know, the, the original law was fair. 
The original law was fair in Leviticus 24:19. I'm fixing to go over all this and let's break it on down. All right, the way we speak today. Leviticus 24:19, which is right there, says, "If a man shall cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him." And uh, Leviticus 24:20 says, "Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again." And he that killeth a beast, and he shall restore it. And he that killeth a man, he shall be put to death. You have, you shall have one manner of law as well as for the stranger, as for one of your own country. For I am the Lord your God. Jesus, and looking at this phrase, don't hit back. Jesus replaced or superseded the law with an attitude. Basically, he said, you know, the law does say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. <clears throat> Let me tell you where the fair, the people in Jesus' day were. They were basically using that law that I read to you and that's in your bulletin there as a means for retaliation or retribution. Well, I tell you what, if somebody hits me, the Bible says I can hit them back. If somebody does something to me, I can do it back. That says right there. But you know, you know, God put some laws in there, and basically, some people say, well, just like the law of murder, thou shalt not kill. Okay, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. It says, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I've never killed anybody. Uh, you know, I've told you before when I'm witnessing to people, and they always try to justify how good they are. A lot of times, people will say to me, well, I, hey, I've never killed anybody, preacher, and I'm thinking. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. That's good news. I'm glad you hadn't. And uh, let me tell you about Jesus before you get carried away. And uh, so, you know, and, and so they're trying to justify that I'm a pretty good person because I've never killed anybody. But the Bible says that even if you've said angry words against somebody, you've killed them with your attitude. You've killed them spiritually. You killed their reputation. You, you can kill a lot of things about a person. It's up to you. But Jesus kept trying to raise the standard. You need to behave this way. And, say, and Jesus is saying this. Don't justify retaliation. The reason God put the law in there was trying to protect the innocent. That's the reason that the law is there, that it states, Hey, listen, if you kill somebody, capital punishment's okay. We can kill you back. And if you, uh, and if you take and destroy somebody's, they, we don't have, uh, the ox around here anymore. If you take somebody's John Deere tractor and you bust it up, you have to replace it. That's what God's saying. It's to protect the innocent. If you mess somebody's stuff up, their beast, their ox, their John Deere tractor, or even go so far to kill somebody, you have to restore life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It was to protect the innocent, not justify revenge. But that's what it became. And so Jesus superseded it. He said, if somebody slaps you in the face, and this definitely goes against our uh, southeast Arkansas John Wayne mentality. Yep, it does. We need to turn the other cheek. Now, there are different, some may have a different interpretation of this, but it doesn't work out with the context. Okay? And to me, it's simple. Jesus is saying, you need to treat, treat others the way you want to be treated fairly, and, and, and helpfully, and to care for even mean people, to care for them, to love them back, to do good to them. 
Don't, don't always seek to revenge. Now, it doesn't mean that we should roll over and be a doormat. It doesn't mean that if you're walking the streets of Little Rock and somebody jumps out there with a gun, well, I'll tell you what, let me not only give you that, but, you know, and uh, here, take my wife too. You can take her if you want to. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't protect your house or your loved ones. Jesus is not saying be a doormat. What he's saying there is, is found right there when People are mean to you. Don't retaliate. Be, be bigger. Be a bigger person. Be a better person than them. Don't stoop to their level. Jesus, again, is trying to replace the law with an attitude. Should we just roll over? Notice what follows. If you keep reading, now we're going to deal with this more later. And... Uh, in verse uh, 43, you've heard it said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Verse 44 says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Now, this is in direct context. First of all, he's saying, turn the other cheek. In other words, if somebody calls you a name, if somebody does something to you, if somebody's trying to rile you up. The other day, the other night, watched a great show uh, called 42. It's the Jackie Robinson story about the first African American to ever play in the Major League Baseball game. And all of the stuff that had to happen to him. And, uh, the, and it's documented, in fact, his story is a neat story. And, uh, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and this is documented that's actually said, and they put it in the show. That he said this, and Jackie Robinson asked the owner, are you telling me that you want to hire somebody who doesn't have the guts to fight back? And he said, no, I want to have a player who has the guts not to fight back. Who has the guts, did you know that's called meekness? Strength under control. The Bible says Jesus is a meek man, and Moses was the meekest of men. Somebody had the... Uh, the wherewithal to whoop you, but I refuse to because I don't want to damage the name of Jesus. You see, that's a real man. Now, I may be able to do something back to you, but I'm going to hold back because it's what my Savior asked me to do. Very few people have the guts, the wherewithal, or the fortitude to do that. It's tough. It's tough. And that's the story of Jackie Robinson. That's the story of a lot of people, non-retaliation. And it says here, to love your enemies, bless them that curse you, uh, do good to them which hate you, pray for people who despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, if you will, head to Luke chapter 6, and that's right there, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This is Luke's account of the same thing. Now, Luke is copying down the same thing. Now, he wasn't there. Matthew was probably there. For the Sermon on the Mount. He literally heard it, and he's writing from memory. The Holy Spirit's hoping him out. And Luke heard it from witnesses. And it's all being pinned down. It's a neat study about how accurate the Bible is, and it was all pinned down one in one generation within Jesus' life. It's just a neat study and all that. But so Luke's copying this same story down. Sermon on the Mount. 
And he's also copying down about Jesus' your and my attitude. How should it be toward others? How should your attitude and my attitude be toward others, especially people you don't like, especially people that you couldn't... If you saw them coming up one side of the street, that your body, your mind says, I, don't, I want to go to the other side of the street. But Jesus said your attitude and your heart should be different than that. Luke 6.27 says this, But I say unto you, which here, you paying attention to me? That's what he's saying, Luke 6.27. Do good, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Verse 28, bless them which curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And, and unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that takes away your jacket, I'm putting it in redneck language, forbid not to take your shirt also. Verse 30, give to every man that asketh thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And note, this is called, this famous verse, Luke 6.31, Luke 6.31, this famous verse, have you ever heard of the golden rule? And many of you can say it in your own way. As you, and King James says it this way, As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Now, many of us have said the golden rule in our own words many times. Uh, the golden rule, what is it? Well, it's, uh, I need to do unto others as I'd like for them to do to me. And, of course, the uh, lost version of that, the worldly version is, I need to do to you before you do to me. <laughs> that's what I need to do. See, that's the way the world is. I need to do it to you before you do anything to me. I need to get you before you get me. But that's not the way we as Christians should behave, is it? We're setting the example. Even the Apostle Paul, later on, Jesus' teachings, Paul wrote these words down in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a second, but let's take a look at Romans chapter 12. Y'all have done awesome this morning. I appreciate your staying there. And I'm praying this morning that if you, if the Lord is bothering, <coughs> pardon me, if the Lord's bothering you about anything, it's because He wants you to do something. God doesn't bother you just to, hey, I want to bother you for no reason. He's bothering you to make a decision or maybe to stop doing something that you've been doing to do something differently. Romans twelve nineteen says this, Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, rather give place, in other words, put away, give the right place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head, which means this, his own conscience will take care. What's going on in his mind? Verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome meanness, evil, atrocities, with good. How is God bothering you this morning?
Maybe there's somebody we had uh, we had several saved, and B Buddy was commenting before he sang that awesome song about uh, his grandson being saved, and and uh, praise the Lord. And some were saved before Bible school, some were saved during Bible school. Dawson was saved right up here on the front pew, and uh, he asked Jesus to save him. Different ones being saved at different times. After we're saved, we're supposed to live for the Lord. Live for Him. How long has it been since you shared your story with somebody? Since you told somebody about Jesus? And maybe you've been behaving in such a way that, man, my testimony is... Brother Michael, my testimony is not what it should be. And I can't tell people about Jesus because I don't have peace in my heart right now. And things aren't good in my life right now. When things aren't or that away, it's, it's almost impossible to tell people about Jesus. When things aren't right, maybe we get them right today.